The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Thinking sideways. I don't understand. Does not compute. You never know. Insufficient data to formulate a slide. What? Stories of things we simply don't know the answer to. Hi there. Welcome once again to Thinking Sideways, the show that tackles all the tough mysteries and solves them every time. I'm Joe, joined as always by Steve. And Devin yeah. insert Scooby Doo music yeah. for that intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. All right, so we have a really hard hitting mystery to solve tonight. <laughs> <laughs> really fresh off the boat, this yeah, one. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> this this story is called the Mad Plapper of Wat Wiver. No. <laughs> Are you what? Elmer Fudd now? Yeah. Oh, okay. The Mad Trapper of Rat River. <laughs> and some of you may have heard of this. Actually, uh, uh, before I forget, I want to mention, uh, give a little shout out to our listener, Jacob, who recommended this particular little story to us. Oh. Yeah. Thanks, Jacob. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's just take it from the top. One day in July 1931, a man calling himself Albert Johnson arrived in Fort McPherson, Northwest Territories, Canada. And, uh, According to some versions of the story, he stayed there long enough to build a boat that he was going to use to travel down the Mackenzie River. Constable Edgar Millen talked to him, but didn't get a whole lot of information from him. I guess Fort McPherson's probably a pretty small place. So, well, so and yeah. it's, this is 1931? 1931, and this is way up in the far, far north of the Northwest Territories, almost to the Beaufort Sea, which is With like, you know... Arctic Circle, right? Yeah, yeah it's, it's well above the Arctic Circle. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Way up there. Not a lot of people live up there. Yeah, not not probably a happening spot. 
Yeah, so anyway, Constable Millen uh, said later that he thought that Johnson had a Scandinavian accent. Huh. Yeah, and coincidence here, uh, Johnson eventually uh, killed Millen, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. Foreshadowing. Nice. Yeah, I know, exactly. Do, do, do. Little did we know at that moment that <laughs> he would soon lie, da- lie, lie dying at the hands of Albert Johnson. Not his real name. Okay, so anyway, so uh, Johnson got his boat and left and went down the Mackenzie River and um, went up went up, up the Rat River. I don't know why they named it the Rat River. Because it had but a lot of rats. That's uh, Ew, what I'm guessing. No, it's too cold for rats up there. That's true. I don't know about that. Rats live everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Rodents live everywhere. That's a good point. They're pretty yes. hardy little creatures. Okay, so anyway, he goes... Uh, uh, on the banks of the Rat River, he builds himself in a, a cozy little eight by ten log cabin, uh, and uh, it's cozy. got a door. Yeah, just very cozy. Eight by ten? Are you kidding me? <laughs> so he builds this log cabin. As it turns out, uh, it had double log walls for about the first two three feet of the, of the of the of the wall on the inside. There was an extra layer of logs with earth jammed in between mm-hmm. the two layers of logs. So a hefty foundation. Yeah, and a nice and a nice little spot to like hold hunker down behind with your gun if you're going to get in a shootout. Apparently, this guy was was, was expecting trouble from day one. <laughs> so he not only had these double log walls, but he had uh, he, he had also cut gun slits all the way around, so he could basically cover <laughs> you know everywhere around his cabin through these slits with his rifle. Interesting. Yeah, paranoid guy. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. The local Indians noticed that somebody was messing with their traps. You know, you know how traps work. You put them out there, some hapless animal steps in them and clomp, you know, and clamps onto their leg. And then they chew their leg off and run away and then, you know, get eaten by some other animal because they can't run anymore. <laughs> so that's the way trapping works. Right. So they put the traps, In a nutshell. Yeah. yeah so they, they noticed that uh, somebody was tripping their traps and, and in some cases moving them, hanging them, hanging them from bushes, trees, whatever. So somebody's messing with their livelihood. And since he was the only new person around, he was the only thing that had changed over the past year, they immediately decided it probably was him. So they complained to the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. The Mounties! Yes, the Mounties. In Aklavik, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that town's name correctly, which is the nearest town, obviously. And so uh, the day after Christmas 1931, two constables left Aklavik and trekked the 60 miles to his cabin. And I I don't know, I'm assuming they did did the whole dog sled routine. I'm not really sure, but... Yeah, I can't imagine they walked there. I can't imagine they walked 60 miles on... Christmas? Christmas uh, day after In Christmas. the Arctic Circle. Yeah. There's a lot of snow on the ground. I know, I know. Yeah. I, think it's, I think it's dog sled time. I would agree. Yeah. So they went to Johnson's cabin. Again, did I, did I mention it's 60 miles? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, to question him. Johnson was home, but he refused to talk to them or really even acknowledge them. They were knocking on the door and, and, and stuff, and he just was pretending like he didn't even hear them. So he, he didn't let them in, and he wouldn't talk to them. So maybe the he didn't hear them. Yeah, maybe he no, was deaf. Uh, no, because I remember reading one of the accounts that he had windows, he had, and, he had and they window went to peer least. in the windows, and, he, and he, threw, he threw a grain sack in the window uh, to cover the window so they couldn't see in. Oh, yeah. okay. Not a very sociable fella, but you know, really, it, it, you know, he, he probably should have just had a polite conversation with him. He could have avoided a lot of heartache down the line. But yeah. the constables uh, decided that they needed to go get a search warrant, so they returned to Aklavik. Sixty so, miles. Yeah, back. sixty miles, one hundred twenty miles for nothing. I'm, yeah, they they make this round trip quite a few times. Actually, I think it was one hundred and twenty miles to find out that he's kind of a skis. Yeah, I know he's kind of a sketchy character. He's a weirdo. 
Five days later, they returned with two more men. Uh, once again, he wouldn't talk, wouldn't answer the door or anything like that. But So one of the constables decided to force the door. So he's do- And while he's doing that, suddenly a shot rings out. Johnson had fired around through the door, which wounded the constable. There was a bit of a shootout. Nobody else got shot, fortunately, except one well, would have been fortunate if Johnson had gotten shot. But, uh, and so they, they scraped up their wounded comrade and headed back to Aklavik once again, 60 miles. And uh, next time they came back, they had nine men. Where they were Mounties, some native guides, and a, and a couple of So this of is the third time. The third trip out So there. we're 120, 360 miles round trip yeah, to bring in, or 300 miles round trip so uh-huh. far to bring a bunch more guys. Mm-hmm. This is a lot of traveling in an age where you can't travel quickly. Yeah. Just to talk to some dude. Yeah, I know. About traps. Yeah, about yeah. some traps. And, and it's like, uh, you know, you get to hand it to these guys for their hardiness because not just the length of the trip, but it's this is like December, January, above the Arctic Circle. Yeah. It's I mean, freezing cold. Oh, yeah, it's cold. It's like, so, I mean, I've never even experienced these kind of temperatures myself. I don't want yeah, to. I don't want to either. No. I don't need that. Besides the, the nine men, they also had 42 dogs, and they brought, just in case, 20 pounds of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. I love it. That's good planning. We might just, we, we might just need to blow his ass up. So let's bring him up. <laughs> just on the off chance, we need to blow him up. Let's... Yeah. I, I remember in the account, um, one of the ones that I read, it said that they... Try. They had to warm the dynamite up. Mm. They had to put it inside their coat yeah. Yeah, and it, warm yeah. it up to make it even kind of useful. And they got like one usable stick out of <laughs> however many they had stuck in their jackets. I imagine that. Which uh, just well, <sighs> I mean, dynamite in that day and age, it's it's nitroglycerin in sawdust essentially yeah. is yeah. all it is. So yeah, it freezes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I could. I I personally would not be the one. Who would want to get the do? Hey Kowalski, stick this stick of dynamite in your armpit and hold it there for five minutes. And don't forget, I, this is a frozen stick of dynamite, so it's like sticking <laughs> yeah. an ice cube inside yeah. your jacket. Yeah, I don't know. Again, yeah, no, these guys please. are these guys were hardy fellows. Yep. Uh, so they they succeed in throwing the dynamite into the cabin and blowing it up. And so did they throw it into it or in the front of it? I was I, never clear on that. Yeah, I was never entirely clear either. It sounded, it seemed to me like they either jimmied the door and threw it in or or threw so, it in through the window. But they might have just like set it on the front porch. Yeah, because his window was away. probably open at this point. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> is it such a balmy afternoon? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I could never tell I, because I'm thinking that a stick of dynamite because we're gonna get into what happens, but stick a dynamite in an enclosed space like that mm-hmm. is a pretty concussive blast. Yeah, it must, yeah, that's, that's a good point. So it might be that the, it, it was. Have... It might be that they just set it at the front door and, and it, it just blew and the yeah. crap out of it. Just blew the crap out of the whole cabin. You know, yeah, a little knock knock. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> worst knock knock joke ever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that reminds me of a joke. No, nope. just, just kidding. But it turns out that uh, he was even more paranoid than he thought because he had dug a you know, like a foxhole <laughs> in the middle of his living room. Oh my I gosh! Guess, I guess yeah, or <laughs> living room or bedroom or kitchen. I guess it was all the same. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he dug himself a foxhole. <clears throat> so he uh, he was uninjured. After they blew the crap out of the cabin, they they started approaching it, and he started he opened fire again, and another firefight took place. This time, no casualties. So eventually the posse decides, well, it was about a 15-hour standoff, but then they decide, well, you know what? It's really cold out here. So they, <laughs> 15 hours. Yeah, yeah, so they left and they went back to Aklavik again, and they came back on January 14th, 1932. 
this time they had an even bigger posse. And this posse just keeps growing and growing. Uh, and this, uh, by the way, did I mention that this was the biggest manhunt in Canadian history? It would become that, yeah. It, it, yeah, it eventually turned into that. When they got back this time, they found, uh, to maybe their relief, I'm not sure, he'd left the cabin. Shockingly, I, I mean, they blew it up. Yeah, he, he had did. like oh, a ditch. I, I, was, I was just going to, you know, take the, the sticks of logs and just yeah. make it into a, a, a little lean-to. It'll yeah, be fine. It'll be fine. They're yeah. definitely. I've not got a hole back. in the ground, so I'm safe. <laughs> they've, yeah. They haven't proven that they're going to come back over and over again. No, no. <laughs> Very good point. <sighs> yeah, I think I think it's a pretty fair bet. You shoot a cop, they're probably going to keep coming, coming and coming and coming until they get you. Yeah, yeah. They found when they returned with that big, huge posse that he had left the cabin. So they started tracking him, and they found him by, by the way along the way that he had left a couple of caches of food along his trail. He seemed to be really well prepared for all of this stuff. So the route that he used to escape, he was hiding food along that route. Yeah, they found. Look, check out this map. They found food caches in the in these two spots here. Hold that up to the microphone, would you? Yeah. So as you guys can clearly see. <laughs> wow. Because I mean, I I looked at some of the maps of of his track, and by the way. Anybody who hasn't at this point, you need to stop and and take a look at this region. This is, uh, we've already talked about this a little bit, but it is barren and not a place you want to go to have a vacation. It is not hospitable. Yeah, it's probably one of those places that, you know, you just freeze in the wintertime and then summertime comes around and mosquitoes the size of robins come out and suck your blood out of your body. I'm sure it's just not a pleasant place to live. No, I I don't think so. Yeah, but apparently, yeah, this guy was uh, this guy was prepared for the apocalypse because again, he he left those food stashes there. They followed him. They followed him and, they, and they tracked him and they caught up with him on January 30th of 1932. There was another shoot, shootout, and this is when Constable Edgar Millen, who I mentioned before, was shot and killed. He got shot through the heart. So oh, the posse. Too late. Yeah. <laughs> You give a... No? Bad name. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> you, I'm sorry. This you can't set me up like that. This is a solid vacation. The Mountie got shot. Come on. <laughs> so anyway, the posse retreated again, and, and, and they decided to start recruiting more people. So they got more... They, they especially wanted to get natives since they're very familiar with the area. So they got... Well, and they, they recruited people from two different tribes, right? Yeah, or, exactly. I don't know if tribes is the right... But yeah, two yeah, but they did two different groups. Yeah, yeah, and also like just it was just a militia at this point, right? <laughs> Practically, That's what they refer to it as, I think, yeah. the local militia just yeah. coming out. And... Yep, coming out to go after this Albert Johnson fella, yeah, not man. his real name. Uh, so it looked like from his tracks that he was headed west to the Yukon territories. So one of the first things the Mighty did is they blocked the passes over over the Richardson Mountains, which lay between Albert Johnson and the Yukon. So there were two passes there. Uh, and and which way is, is is that mean he's going? He's going west he's at going that west. point? He's going west. He's west. going west. Okay, yeah. so he's heading west. Yeah, yeah. So he's heading west, kind of southwest, actually. Into Alaska, kind of. And Towards Alaska, yeah. 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 Into the Yukon. And then if he kept going at the rate that he was going, he would have reached Alaska in about another two days. Yeah. <laughs> the guy traveled fast. He, he covered a lot of ground. Sure he really did, Hallbutt. That's amazing. Yeah, especially with snowshoes. Although there were, he, he, he figured out a way to not use his snowshoes, but I'll talk about that in a minute. So he's heading for the U- the Yukon. They block the passes. So in order to get around that, Johnson just climbs over a seven thousand foot mountain. Just no big deal. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. Uh, yeah, no special gear, and it's January above the Arctic Circle, and you're at at seven thousand feet of altitude. I that's amazing. Believe how uh, amazing. tough this guy. Everything was. aside of what 
Johnson did. Yeah. He was tough. He was so a badass. Super tough dude. You know, he, he, and I was just, I recently had read about this is he makes me think of there's the, what do they call him? The Utah, or the, the Utah killer, the Utah mountain man. Have you heard of this guy? No. Uh, his name is Troy James Knapp and he avoided the authorities for six years Oh. Living off the land in Utah, I mean, he would break into cabins and steal food and booze and stuff. But he just he's like, nope, oh, nope, yep. Y- y- and there yep. was that kid in Washington, just like a couple of years ago, Washington State. Do you guys remember this? No, I can't remember what they called him. Uh, the Barefoot Bandit, maybe. Mm-hmm. And he was like stealing people's planes and stuff. And like it took him like three or four years to find him, and he was just like was living up in the forests in Washington, just chilling out in the woods. Yeah, and he was like out. eighteen or nineteen at the oldest, I Yeesh. think. So yeah, I think there are some people like this in history that That's, uh-huh. it takes quite the constitution. Yeah, uh, yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I've but none it. of them have climbed over a seven thousand foot mountain. No, no. Well, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming he didn't climb seven thousand feet. He um, just went over a mountain that was seven thousand feet tall. Yeah, he might not have actually summited the mountain. He's probably he probably climbed probably a couple just... thousand feet, but still, that's a couple thousand feet in the middle yeah. of winter. In, in the, the middle, middle of winter. winter. Yeah, and I don't know yeah. if you noticed this in the winter time or not, but when you're sort of up in the mountains and stuff, and you head on an uphill road, you'll start. I remember this uh, up at Mount St. Helens some some years back. We went caving at night with some friends. Don't ask me why. <laughs> so we had we the, the road was gated, so we had to park our cars and, and start walk, hiking up this road. So where we parked our cars, the snow was about two inches deep, and there was a gentle rise in the, in the road. By the time we got to our objective, which was know, maybe a mile up the road, the snow was a foot deep. Mm-hmm. It yeah. progressively and, gets And we're not talking about a huge change in altitude here. Yeah. So, yeah, I can't imagine how deep the snow must have been up in that, yeah. that mountainside. Well, so anyway, yeah, to, to, to reiterate, he was badass. He was, he was, <laughs> he was like uh, the 1930s equivalent of the honey badger. Yeah. <laughs> Because they didn't have honey badgers in 1932. I think they did. In the Yukon territory. Not in the Yukon. Well, definitely not in the Yukon. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, back to our tale. The, so the, the Mounties hired a pilot named Wap May, and I don't know why he was called Wap. That was a nickname, obviously. Because that he had hippies for parents. No, it was a nickname. Yeah, it was a nickname. It was so. W.P. May, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Were his initials. Yeah. So anyway, so WAP was uh, was detailed to scout for tracks and such things from the air. He spotted Johnson's tracks on the far side of the Richardson Mountains, which alerted the Mounties that he had escaped and gotten past uh, past their guys in the passes, and it was in the Yukon. Another thing that May figured out is that uh, the reason they couldn't find tracks for Johnson is that he was traveling on the on the Eagle River, which is of course frozen solid. Mm-hmm. And so it, apparently caribou. Caribou herds like to like to travel on frozen rivers because that gives them a little bit more space from the trees so they can see predators from a little further away. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they'll travel up and down the river. So he was just walking in their tracks, and you couldn't spot his tracks because of all these caribou tracks. Very clever. Very but, clever. And not using his snowshoes while he was, he was doing it. And he was able to not use his snowshoes. Which and because so, those, make a, those are very obvious, definite tracks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so, and, yeah, because it's... And, and so that sped him up, of course, because snow. Yeah. Uh, you guys have snowshoed before, right? Yeah. No. It's, that's not speedy. Nope, not no. speedy at all. The way that uh, Wap May was able to spot this is he was, he was traveling up the river in his plane, and he spotted some tracks leading from the river up the bank. And so there were some obvious tracks in the snow. So he could travel, but sooner you know, he'd have to like stop and urinate or maybe stop and make camp for the night, that kind of thing. I think mm-hmm. it was the camp, his, yeah. Yeah, it was for camping, actually. I don't know why you... I mean, you know, if, it's, if you're the only one out there... 
and you're trying to like hide yourself, you would just like pee on the trail, right? I mean, you would just mm-hmm. stop. You wouldn't. I would probably just wet myself because urine. <laughs> urine is warm. It'll warm you right up. It's warm until it starts evaporating. Until it starts freezing. It's warm until it freezes, and then yep. you can't move your legs. So Wap may figured this out, and so the Mounties started following him up the Eagle River. And he was he was a crafty guy. He would do stuff like backtrack to throw them off, uh, throw mm-hmm. them off a trail. And he was he was he was all over the place. They calculated at the end of this whole thing that he traveled like I forget what a hundred plus miles in three days. Something ridiculous. Something ridiculous. Yeah, like some that. huge amount. Yeah, an amazing amount of time. Uh, yeah, and over a mountain. And over a mountain, and yeah, yeah. up frozen rivers. They were following him up the river for quite a while, and then they caught up with him on February seventeenth, nineteen thirty-two. It came around a, a bend in the river, and there he was. One of the, one of the constables spotted him first, grabbed his rifle, and the other ones eventually figured out that and where he was where he was hiding. There was a big firefight. Uh, one of the Mounties was wounded, but luckily not fatally, and then Johnson got killed. And did you did you read the accounts of how the uh, how the guy actually managed to get the lucky shot, the shot that killed him? Mm, is yeah. they when they came around the bend and everybody's there and Johnson, I, I guess what he did is he just laid down flat in the snow, make you know smaller target, obviously enough. Uh-huh. Smart guy. And he's shooting back, and everybody's shooting at him from the edge of the river so that they're not as easy to get. But they dispatched one guy to go around him in the woods and get above him and he and he basically got you know where johnson's laying uh, in the snow got at about a 45 degree or a 90 degree angle away from him came over a small rise and saw him and just took a shot mm-hmm. and that's what ended up being the shot that killed him but it was yeah. just one guy that somebody had the foresight to say uh go flank him just yeah. try and flank him, and it worked, yeah. obviously enough. Yeah. It's actually, when you think about it, kind of an obvious thing to do. But, yeah. But anyway, they, so they finally bagged their man, because the Mounties always bag their man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, they, they searched his body, and they found a little over $2,400 in currency, U.S. and Canadian, which is the equivalent of about $60,000 in today's Wow. Money. Yeah. it's a lot of cash. Yeah, they found a miscellaneous other stuff, too, like a dead bird, a dead squirrel, and... and food. Yeah. That's food. Food. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's it, definitely yeah. food. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe just Lucky Charms. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, he had some gold, and he also had a small jar that had gold teeth in it, which led some people to wonder if maybe perhaps he wasn't a serial killer on top of being an all-around nice citizen. Oh, I thought I read that they were his. Yeah, I was going to say, I read I've the same that thing, too. that they thought it was his maybe, teeth. Maybe his teeth were falling out. He probably lived in that cabin. He probably got scurvy and his teeth fell out. Well, and the other thing that I, I heard is that, okay, in this, how long was he on the run? A month? Yeah, a little over a month. Uh, a little over a month. And at times, he's he was burning, they estimate... The equivalent of about ten thousand calories a day, yeah. with all yeah. the exertion. And if he's not eating right, and the photos that they have of him, he's obviously emaciated. Yeah, seriously, not well, an ounce of fat on him. Because, so I just wonder if his teeth started falling out. I Maybe. mean, the other thing that they talk about is that you know he had guns, but yeah. obviously he's on the lamb. He can't shoot guns to hunt mm-hmm. because it'll give away his location. Exactly. So yeah. So go- he did like. Either hand kill or with a knife or trap everything that he got, and I don't know that 
he was in particularly fertile land. Yeah, there's not so. that many critters, and you know you can't really tackle a caribou because um, no. they're big. They're really big. They're big. Really and this guy big. was this guy was tough, but you know the other thing about it is it leaves kind of an obvious sign because caribou weighs so much. Even if you succeeded in bringing it down and slitting its throat, you'd, and you get some nice cuts it. of meat, you'd have to leave it yeah. sitting right there in the open where it would be found by your trap. By your and pol- your the trackers. other problem is, is of course he wasn't lighting fires. Yeah. yeah, he couldn't light a fire at night to warm himself up. Or uh-huh. cook his food because that would again give away his that, position. And that yeah. brings some of the mystery about this whole thing, right? Is that how did he survive uh-huh. that long in weather that cold? I know. I, I mean, know. you can make a snow fort and that'll keep you kind of warm, but. You'll survive. You'll survive. But you will not be comfortable. And no. Long yeah. term, that's going to take its toll. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure he probably did hole up in snow caves, but yeah, snow caves. Alternately, are not he just didn't sleep. Yeah, I mean, he traveled enough that it's totally possible that yeah he just didn't sleep. It's nothing about this guy that's a little bit superhuman, you know. He There's could, a he, lot. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It There's was, a lot of weirdness. Yeah. I think you're probably going to cover some of that stuff. Oh, no, no, no. I don't want to disturb our listeners. <laughs> yeah. So no, I'll, Wait, let, I'll let you cover that. Oh, about his, his physical stuff that was going on with him? Oh, oh, you're talking about his, well, he had scoliosis. Yeah, like severe did. scoliosis and like weird feet. And yeah, one foot was bigger than the other one and longer than yeah. the other one and stuff like that. So he was a little bit deformed. Yeah. Yeah. Which, and, j- again, okay, if if I'm me and I'm in, I'm in fitter shape than I am today, because I'm not that fit, but if yeah. I have scoliosis and one foot that's bigger than the other... That would make it so hard to be trooping through the snow mm. and doing all of that. Yeah. I mean, as a normal person, that's not easy. But yeah. then to have these uh, these handicaps, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrase, mm-hmm. how did he do that? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It's like uh, he was just tough. It's a big mystery. <laughs> yeah, it's they just don't a, make him like that no just more. A big old fat mystery. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of mysteries. There, there actually is a long-standing mystery about this guy because nobody ever was able to figure out who he really was. They found his body and they fingerprinted it. That didn't turn up anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, some, it, this, this thing got quite a bit of publicity. And so there were a few people who came up with, with theories. There was a family in Nova Scotia, for example, who believed that he might have been a relative of theirs. The family was, uh, the, the name was Johnson. Hey, go figure. Uh, <laughs> they had a relative named Owen Albert Johnston, and they thought it might have been him because he had, uh, he had reportedly gone west and gone to British Columbia, and the last they heard from him was a letter they got in early 1931 from a, a town called Revelstoke in British Columbia, uh, which is a ways south, but it's, it's about in the middle of British Columbia. Uh, so there, was, there were those guys. An author named Richard North came up with a theory saying that uh, that Albert Johnson and another guy named Arthur Nelson and yet another guy named John Johnson were all one of the same. So, aliases then. Yeah, aliases, yeah. Uh, he said, uh, so Arthur Nelson apparently traveled from uh, lower B.C. up into the Yukon in 1927 and 1931. He owned similar guns, a Savage M99 3030 caliber lever action rifle and also a 22 although those were really common guns so i don't know that that really means that much but so he had similar guns and uh so he thinks they were the same guy and there was another guy named john johnson from north dakota and he believes that john johnson arthur nelson and albert johnson were all the same person john johnson did time in prison um san quentin and folson right yeah 
Yeah, luxurious places. Folsom, yeah. especially, I hear, is just a really, really wonderful place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Johnny Cash liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so this author, Richard North, North uh, traced John Johnson's, or some people call him Johnny Johnson, tra- traced him back to Norway. He was born Johan Conrad Johnson in 1898 in northern Norway, also north of the, the Arctic Circle, which would explain why he's uh, so easily so able to... So hardy. Yeah, and able mm-hmm. to deal with this kind of stuff. Uh, so that was a that was a long-standing theory, and that was that was a nice theory. But uh, did I mention? No, I know I didn't. But in, in 2007, they exhumed Albert Johnson's corpse and did some DNA testing. It was the Discovery Channel, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was, it was sponsored by the, the. I think they paid for the whole thing. And they, yeah. So they dug him up and everything, and did a bunch of lab tests and, and DNA and all that stuff and stuff. And so, if if anybody has the time for any of our listeners, uh, this is available on the internet to watch, and it's about a 50 minute video, and it mm-hmm. it gives a reenactment of the whole chase and all of that. It's very dramatic. Oh, and he mm-hmm. took a shot. But what's really interesting is how hard it was to dig him up. Yeah. Like, this guy was so hard to catch and kill. And the and after he died and they buried him, they went to dig him back up. He was so hard to dig up. It was like he was fighting the, everything that people Why? did. Why? How? Well, because it, it, where they, they didn't know. They had a, a marker for his grave. Uh-huh. But they weren't sure that that was exactly the right spot. Mm, and it was yeah. within five feet. But we're talking in the Arctic Circle, so we got permafrost. Oh, it's gosh. frozen, yeah. It's frozen. Need... And they, they had a backhoe in there, and they I think uh-huh. they broke the bucket on the back. Like, oh, at my first gosh. they're doing it with shovels and picks and axes, and then they get a backhoe in there, and the backhoe's having trouble. It it I think they were allotted, let's say, three days. It's been a while since I've watched the video. Uh-huh. They were allotted a couple of days, and they only got in there because they said, we will dig him up. And then we will bury him again. Everything will be respectful and according to traditions of the local people. So we will we won't disturb any, any more than we have to. But they had this very small window. I think it actually was twenty four hours. Now mm. that I think about it, and they were freaking out because they couldn't get to the body. They couldn't, <laughs> yeah. couldn't dig deep enough, and they couldn't find him. Oh my gosh! He was just. You know, I, I just see that you know this this guy's ghost. Be like, <laughs> no, neener uh, <laughs> neener. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think they use uh, they use ground penetrating radar to actually actually make pinpoint the location of his body before they started digging. But then, no, uh, I, not what I saw. But I mean, yeah. it's hard to say. I mean, I I watch it, but again, it's been a little bit since I've yeah. seen it. But I just remember them frantically trying to find it. Yeah, and I believe I can't remember the precise date when they did that, but I believe it was summer, like July. Something like that, but yeah, still permafrost. Yeah, but still, yeah, in, in winter, it's, in winter time, permafrost by definition is yeah. always frozen. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in Let's winter just time, you can just forget there. about it. The I mean, perma stands for permanently. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In case somebody was unclear about that, I, you know, it took me a long time to figure it out. Oh, yeah. So yeah. So anyway, so um, so they exhumed him, and that gave uh, that gave everybody a chance to retire a lot of these theories. Because they took DNA. Because they took DNA from the body, and then so they were able to find uh, uh, relatives of Johann Conrad Johnson. And, well, turns out, no, no DNA match. Same for the Johnston family in Nova Scotia. Uh, there was an, another writer named Mark Fremerlid. Well, sorry, Mark, if I'm mispronouncing your name. <laughs> he, he theorized that uh, Johnson was actually a guy named... Sigvald Pedersen Hongskjold, I think, something like that. <laughs> I mispronounced it, I'm sure. Scandinavian. From Norway, yeah. And and that was, he, he had a lot of interesting uh, 
reasons to back that theory up. So he was kind of a paranoid person who invaded service in World War One. He was worried that he was still going to be capped, going to be caught and punished for that. He apparently did take up residence in British Columbia, built himself a little fortress cabin, just like the kind of cabin that Albert Johnson built in somewhat further south in British Columbia, and then and then left and disappeared. And so, you know, that's an attractive theory that there could have been this guy. But now, uh, yeah, the DNA defeated that theory too. Well, so, and, and the the other thing that I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, is mm-hmm. that when they exhumed the body and they examined his teeth, yeah, they mm-hmm. figured out that he, he grew up somewhere where they ate corn all the time. Is that right? Apparently, yeah. So they decided that they found isotopes in his teeth that led them to believe that he couldn't be of Canadian origin. He either was from the Midwest of the U.S., the mm-hmm. Corn Belt, or from Scandinavia. Now, I don't remember a lot of corn being grown in Scandinavia. So I that's what no, I never understood. I have no idea what they eat over there. But... Uh, I mean, it, it might be. I was pickled fish or something. Yeah, gefilte fish or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, and potatoes, lots. Of yeah, things. but I, it's the corn thing is what I couldn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I, I couldn't put a bead on that because okay, I can see the Midwest. They grow a lot of corn there, mm-hmm. but Scandinavia. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe they imported a lot of corn. I don't know. Uh, maybe, I, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know that exactly is the corn. It might be. They they said they believe he might be from the Corn Belt. Oh, but, okay. So, so I be... was thinking when they said corn, it was based on like you know people who uh-huh. eat corn a lot. Like the I think it was was it the Aztecs? They knew they ate corn all the time because the way their teeth were worn down. Mm-hmm. And so I, I I presumed that it was that same. But if it's an isotope, that's very yeah, different. it's isotopes. Yeah, and so it might be that uh, certain minerals in the ground. That's got to be what it is. That's that's got to be okay. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know. That explains why I was completely wrong. And that's you know I mean it could be right. I don't know. I'm they just do that with water usually because yeah. less with the ground because I guess in the 30s it was less though but now we can tell from the water because you don't import water from anywhere whereas uh-huh. our food comes from everywhere mm-hmm. good point so, yeah. but I think in the 30s that was probably not so much of a thing mm-hmm. yeah not nearly as much food swapping as we have today yeah well so anyway yeah so after his exhumation all all the so far known candidates were ruled out uh, and again they did they did figure out that little bit about his origins from his teeth that's the mystery we still don't know who albert johnson really was so they, and they released some pictures right they released some this, pictures but he didn't look that hot yeah you guys pictures. should go look at the pictures of yeah. that are up because it's it's just so interesting it's a glamour photo uh, it's a glamour I, shot honestly I don't know if somebody were like, "Hey, can you ID this person?" I would say it's it's a human. I think I, yeah. it's a human man, probably. But the pictures aren't a great quality, and he's not looking so great. He's um, emaciated. I'm guessing that I'm they not, carried his body for a week. Uh, yeah, I don't know how long he was dead before they managed to get pictures of him. So that yeah. might have been part of it too. Well, I was yeah. I was earlier saying to you guys that you know I thought he just kind of looked like a demon or something yeah. <laughs> like, of some kind, and you know we've looked at death pictures before, um, mm-hmm. specifically with uh, the Tom and Shrewd case, but with mm-hmm. others we've looked at pictures of people who are dead, and they do look different than they do when they're alive. But this mm-hmm. guy. They look dead. He's creepy. Yeah. No, he is a creepy Super looking guy. Super creepy. Maybe that's yeah. why he was antisocial. He got tired of being rejected. Maybe he actually was that creepy. creepy. Yeah, maybe he was. <laughs> that would explain so much. It could be so why he, he didn't talk to anybody. Yeah. yeah. Nobody talks to me. I think yeah, I look nobody weird. likes me. Yeah. I hate yeah. those people. Yeah. Oh, didn't they I mean, say at one point, sorry, that... Oh, um, yeah. 
that nobody in the Mounties actually heard him speak throughout the entire time. The only time, the only noise they heard him make was when he laughed when he shot somebody. Yeah, when he shot uh, Constable Millen, he, yeah. he apparently laughed. Yeah, and that's what. But the that only was the noise. only that's noise they the heard. Only him noise make. they heard from him. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. And extra creepy. Yeah, he didn't yell anything like "Come and get me, coppers, if you can," or nothing like that. Or yeah, like, "Go just, away! I just want to be left alone." Yeah. No. It, you know, it, it kind of. It makes me wonder if he wasn't mentally handicapped. Yeah. Well, uh, here's here, this is a terrible example, but I just recently watched again Sling Blade, and if you've ever watched that movie, oh, okay. Well, in that movie, uh, Billy Bob Thornton plays a guy who's mentally handicapped, and he doesn't talk a lot, and it's very short, it's very simple, and he talks kind of funny, but he didn't talk a lot. And so I, it, it, I, as I was watching that after having read about this, I was like, I wonder if maybe he had a, a mental condition, and so he was very bad with language, so he just didn't talk, or just mm. some people just don't respond. Talking is not mm. their way to communicate; they just don't, yeah. just don't talk to people. Yeah, and that would explain why nobody liked him. The locals who were saying it was him, it's because they came up to him. They said, "Hey, did you mess with my trap?" And he just stared at him, didn't say a word. Tries to, you know, the guy that uh, was it Willis? Is that who tried to talk to him? Is that the Uh, guy? Oh, Constable Millen. Millen. That Millen. Millen. Yeah. When Millen tried to talk to him, yeah. When Millen, when he tried to talk to him, when he first came to town, got almost nothing out of him because he just didn't talk to him. Yeah, just just looked at him and. Probably didn't understand what was going well, on. Well, no, he said that, Millen said that he spoke that, that 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 they spoke, and that he he said that he had a slight. He appeared to have a Scandinavian accent. He thought, but, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound like they really communicated a lot. But yeah, it, it does I mean, sound like he was able to talk. He, well, but he might have, you know, finally gave in and and said five words, mm-hmm. and yeah. it was done. Yeah, could have been. I mean, it's hard to say. Yeah, but uh, there was uh, also the. The guy, if, when he stayed in Fort McPherson to build uh, to build that boat, the, he hired a local to help him, and so there was some talking going on. So apparently he wasn't totally sociable, but oh, okay. he, was, he was capable of, of carrying Well, okay, on. yeah, no, that, then yeah. that kills my theory. Yeah. I, I completely forgot about that part. Yeah. yeah. But here's, here's one of the things that puzzles me is that this was very much publicized. It was there, that was back in the days of radio and not TV, but the, the word got out, and it was a, this was a huge media spectacle, at least by the standards of that day. And so you would think that uh, if he had any family, then you know, they, would, they would have heard about this. And they'd say, oh, yeah, that sounds like Uncle Fred. He's a little, just, uh, a little screwy and uh, you know, very, very good in the woods and just you know, voted most likely to murder somebody. And that, that could be... <laughs> so you'd think more of these families would be, would be coming forward and saying, yeah, I would think that might be one of our relatives. So. But the problem is this is... This is in the time of uh, right around the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So there are all kinds of people who are on the move, scattering, just trying to find work and to, to live. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can, I mean, there's, there's so many families that just broke apart. They went in every direction under the sun just to try to find something and lost contact. Yeah, I mean, it, it's also possible he didn't have any family because, you know, people die and all that yeah. stuff. Supposing he was an only child and his parents were both dead or something like that. Did they, did they ever figure out how old they thought he was? They thought he was in his 30s. Late, oh. Mid to late 30s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, that was like people identified him as being about that age at the time. Okay. And then when they, when they exhumed his body, they tested it for, for age too. And they, they were guessing about mid 30s. I guess, you know, my thing would be if he had a Scandinavian accent of any kind, 
That means he had to have lived there for a fair portion of his childhood at least. Mm -hmm. It's totally possible that he emigrated as a teenager or as a kid on his own and that this story maybe never made it really to Scandinavia mm -hmm. and therefore they didn't come forward and say, yeah, that's our kid, mm -hmm. Johnny yeah. Johnson. It, it made Jordan it to Scandinavia, Sand. but it was in Canadian, so they weren't able to understand <laughs> it. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, nobody else speaks Canadian. No, no. no. Yeah, it's a tough Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway, so yeah, it could be that his family was back in Scandinavia and they, they never really got word of this. He could be an orphan. Yeah, this, this probably was a more North American phenomenon in terms of mm -hmm. the news coverage, yeah. Uh, so it could be an orphan or, or maybe, his, <clears throat> maybe his family is kind of like him and, and uh, they don't oh, really yeah. want to have contact with the authorities. It's true, yeah. So yeah. anyway, here's my action plan for solving this mystery. Oh boy. Yeah, let's oh, all get out our phone books and call everybody with the last name Johnson. <laughs> uh, Everybody. Seems like that's such a bad wait, idea. Wait, well, wait, no, Joe. We we've talked about this. Yeah. Nobody but you has phone books. I know. So nobody else is going to do that. Yeah. It's all I, on your shoulders. I'm going to go out and live and predict. By the way, that the phone book is going to come back into style. And you know why? Have you ever tried to look up somebody's phone number online? Yeah. Yeah. And you know how they won't give it to you unless you pay them. No, everybody has a Facebook page, and nobody knows how to secure it, so you always get that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but you know, but, but seriously, if you're trying to find, if you're not Facebook friends with somebody, you know, and they're not on Facebook, try finding their phone number anymore with the with the, with the internet. It drives me nuts. Mm. It's really yellowpages.com. Yellowpages.com. Or I guess it's whitepages. Whitepages.com. They still totally do it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'm sure there's sites out there. It's just that unfortunately, the uh, a lot of people have figured out how to game Google, and so when you yeah. do a search for anything like that their stuff always comes up first because yeah, you gotta go to the white pages. he's never yeah. going to give up on the phone book I know. ever I, know. I actually don't use the phone book very much at all it's because he needs to sit on it to reach things <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that's right if i'm gonna reach that top cupboard it's gonna take several change the light bulb i need 17 phone books yep. yeah he's got them so well perfect. so uh you guys have any other theories no i i tried to I tried to find any kind of record of the the whole Johnny Johnson, which was the fugitive uh -huh. that that had made his way to the Yukon or the the northern area. I tried to look up other people like that, and I could never. I mean, it's really hard to to find people that would fit that bill, let alone record of them. Mm. Sometimes when they disappeared, they just disappeared. You didn't know yeah. where they went. Yeah. yeah and unless it was that day and age and you could talk to the people who were around, it just didn't get recorded. I tried to look up stuff like that, and I just, dead end after dead end, I, yeah. I just started giving up. So these, guess, guys don't, these guys don't go, out in the, don't go out in the web and just sign up for the, that, that, that user group that's like, you know, solitary, moody loners, you know, bomber types. <laughs> you know? They, don't, they don't have a special group out there. No. No, they don't do that. Uh, I guess my thought was... Because the in the woods sucks. <laughs> yeah. Kind of uh, like a special ops officer of some kind from some country or another. Uh -huh. and maybe the U.S., maybe the Royal Canadian Mounted Police or whatever they have that is equivalent to special forces. Mm -hmm. Or something, you know, his skill, his drive to like flee, his talent in surviving. Those are things that usually I think of as somebody who has some training mm -hmm. and I guess it's, it's totally plausible to me that somebody, you know, was in the war 
and then was discharged and they were like, I just want to go do nothing for a really long time. Kind of PTSD mm. kind, kind of situation. Of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. That, that would explain why they didn't want to talk. Maybe they were on the lam. Maybe he was just didn't really want to talk to anybody. Mm. Maybe he thought he would kill somebody if he talked to them. Which Maybe he, did. he thought he'd hulk out. You know, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did. He hulked out. Like, that's exactly he totally what did. happened. He yeah. totally did. Um, so for me, you know, I a little bit wonder if there's some kind of armed forces background in the mix mm-hmm. there. Uh, but again, there's just no evidence. There's no good anything. And it doesn't really explain why somebody didn't see that and think, oh, yeah, that's uh, Johnson from you know, the seals or whatever. Mm. Yeah, they didn't have seals back in those days. Whatever they had. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Green berets. Yeah. But, yeah. But, you know, you, you would think that somebody out there would have made the connection, you know, yeah. but, mm-hmm. uh, some families, friends, whatever. But it sounds like this guy didn't have a lot of friends. Yeah. It yeah. does but sound that way. I think the other thing, though, is that we all, we, I mean, this was highly publicized. Yeah. But I think that we've got to also remember that our frame of reference for the phrase highly publicized yeah. is much different than what it was in 1931, yeah. which was radio broadcasts and newspapers. And the radio would cover a story and then they would run it again an hour or two later. But it wasn't like I could just go on to Google and look it up or, mm-hmm. or it was easy to get the it wasn't trending old... on Facebook. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't easy to get that information. So if I'm, I see it and then I, I leave town and I'm up in the woods or I'm out in the field doing whatever I'm doing for work. And then mm-hmm. I come back from the apple orchard and, oh, well, the story's gone. But, hey, what happened? Oh, yeah, I don't really remember. I mean, I think it's it's much harder to, for those things to be as widely known. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that frame of reference is something that we, we can easily forget. Yeah. yeah. And that's... And you know, in the 30s, too, there were still people who lived in the woods, no electricity, no oh, yeah. plumbing, and, and you know, didn't Electricity have wasn't everywhere. No, it really wasn't. <laughs> it was, like, not in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so you might have had family, who knows. But I don't. Th- I, I think we're probably never going to find out unless we round up every Johnson in the phone book, put if, him in a if, term If his name really yeah. was Johnson. Yeah. yeah, if his name was truly I Johnson. I think you have a fatal flaw in your yeah. theory yeah. there, yeah. Joe. Well, maybe we should like expand our search to John, not just Johnson's, but Johnston's and Johansson's. I don't know, okay. man. I, if I were going to go into hiding, I would pick Johnson or Smith. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. last name. You know, like mm. something super. John Johnson. How generic can you make it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Albert Johnson is pretty generic too. That's yeah, nice. So uh, yeah, that I think that it's just a flaw to believe. <laughs> he abbreviated his name when he had it put in the phone book, so he'd be the first Johnson in the book. He was A. Johnson. That's why he chose Albert. Oh. oh okay, that makes sense. Well, if we're gonna go with Joe's oh, phone book theory, yeah. I mean, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, I don't know. The, uh, the the whole thing is still kind of a head-scratcher. You know, why he didn't just talk to the cops and just say, hey, I no, no, don't know what you're talking about, sir, you know? Or, yeah, I didn't I realize that was against the rules. I'll stop. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah it, it, was like on, it was yeah. on my property. Yeah. I thought uh-huh. I could do what I wanted on my property. Yeah, yeah, so... Yeah, he could have avoided a lot of heartburn if he'd just like been a little more cooperative and not shot at them. Well, that's yeah. famous last words for uh, a lot of yeah. people, unfortunately. I guess so. You just you know, don't like it, the man yeah. and don't want to cooperate because they don't think they should have to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm kind of getting that's what his mindset yeah. was. Well, you never know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth on this of whether he wanted to commit suicide by cop. 
Because, I mean, you have to know that if you shoot, if you shoot and wound a policeman, sooner or later, they're going to come back with more guns and more people and, and finish the job. Let's be honest, though. If you want to commit suicide by cop, you don't climb over a 7,000-foot mountain in the middle of the winter in well, the Arctic Circle to escape said cops. Yeah, that's the, that, that's the part that's sort of controversial. But when you think about it, his, his shooting the, it, uh, uh, the constable in the beginning of this whole story really made no sense. It wasn't necessary at all. They were trying to break into his house. It totally oh, makes sense. There you go. No, they were trying to force their way in. Yeah. And he yeah. probably freaked out. Uh-huh. Shot yeah. through the door. Yeah, maybe he was taking a nap and suddenly, yeah, just thought, oh my God. He's <laughs> sleeping cold. through all the ruckus outside uh-huh. of everybody yelling at him and yeah. knocking on the door. Yeah. He was a deep sleeper. Yeah. Yeah, that's what was going on. Okay, another mystery solved. Uh-huh. <laughs> Solved. Ah, solved. So, you folks are probably wanting to know more more cool stuff about how to find us, how to get hold of us, and everything like that. Well, you can find us on Facebook, and of course you can like us. You really should like us. You do like us. Uh, Oh, yeah. You You really like me. Yes. Uh, (laughs) You can also find us, of course, on on Stitcher if you want to stream this live, or if you want to just download it and put it on on your iPod, then you can go to iTunes. You'll find us out there. Send us a message. You can use our email account, which is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. And let's see, did I leave anything out? Website. Oh, yeah, we have a website? <laughs> yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, our website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. And we'll have all the links to the story. And uh, I think we'll probably have the picture, the postmortem picture. Yeah, the scary on there. one. Yeah. The scary one. Yeah, we're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, so you can find all the links to, the, to this story and more. You'll find. We'll probably have the link to the video. And there's a website that I found that has a very, very detailed rundown of the entire manhunt. Mm-hmm. A lot of details that I left out. I, I, I kind of gave you the glossy overview here. Uh, and uh, let's see. Maybe yeah. Well, that disgusting picture of him dead. <laughs> and, uh, Maybe a, it is disgusting. Yeah, maybe kind of a cool little map that shows his little trek that he, you know, the route of his little trek that he took. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. What else are we going to put out there? Maybe a picture of a kitten. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Apparently, we're just putting out everything. We yeah. are. So many pictures this week. Mm-hmm. So many. Yeah. Can I put a unicorn? Yes. Uh, actually, how about a unikitten? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect. Yeah, a unikitten. That's, that's better than the death photo. Mm-hmm. How about a unavocado soldier? I haven't seen that. Well, you'll have to show that to okay. me. Okay. Yeah, I want to see yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah, I will. All right. Well, anyway, that's it. Like I said, another mystery solved. And, uh, you know, tune in next week when we solve another mystery. So for Thinking Sideways podcast, I just want to say ta-ta. <laughs> Bye, everybody.